0: I was at 12 uh, my mom died and my father died shortly after that and we were going to be separated There's four brothers and my uncle Edwin who actually was a catholic priest at the time he was the chaplain of the eastern state penitentiary and he decided no I'm going to become the boys legal guardian. Welcome back
1: to the underdog podcast with your host Kyle Decker and myself Calvin Blackman. Before we get to tonight's episode, do us a favor and check out our new website, www.theunderdogpodcast.com, and be sure to sign up for our weekly underdog newsletter. Now, on to tonight's show. He's an icon. He was orphaned at the age of 12 and has been at the same university for 54 years. He's second all-time in wins in men's basketball history. He's a Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. He's none other than head coach at Thomas Jefferson University, Coach Herb McGee. Appreciate you, Coach, taking some time this morning uh, to join
2: us here on the Underdog Podcast. Not a problem. This is a legend by the way. Yeah. Come on. You got to give him a the, his the shot doctor. The most winningest coat. I mean, come on. That was that was weak. Come on, partner. You, well, this <laughs> This guy's a legend. That's how you're going to open up. Come on.
0: Maybe we sh- maybe we should get my daughter Kay, to do it.
1: There you Don't go. That. See, that's a smart man right there. Like I said, she gave me some good knowledge nuggets, so we'll we'll get to those. Um well, <clears throat> 54 years going into your 54th season. At the same university, there's been some name changes, but uh, one thing we've learned from one of our mentors, Ryan Hawk, uh, host of the Learning Leader Show, is that sustaining excellence is something that's very difficult to do. And in any profession, to be there for fifty, for be there for more than ten years, let alone fifty-four years, uh, is just very, very, very remarkable. But we will touch on you know that journey. But I want to go back to. Um this journey could have been very very different. Um you know at the age of 12 um I know you lost both of your parents um right around that very same time and you and your three brothers were orphaned and were almost separated and and your uncle I believe Edwin um had something to say about that and said there's no way I'm going to let these boys be separated. So can you take us back to you know around that time when when those things were when those events were taking place yeah. and, and what happened? Yeah,
0: I was at uh, 12 uh, my mom died, and my father died shortly after that. And we were going to be separated, was just four brothers. And my Uncle Edwin, who actually was a Catholic priest, at the time she, he was the chaplain of the Eastern State Penitentiary. And he decided, No, I'm going to become the boy's legal guardian. He had a brother who was retired who was going to live with us, take care of the house, you know, cleaning, etc cooking and things like that. But he was our boss, uh, Father Edwin Gallagher. He's a great man. I am what I am. If I am anything, is because of him. And uh, it was a different situation. But we got through it. And, uh, you know, kids are resilient. We bounced around. We bounced back, I should say. And everything worked out fine. Well, and the lucky thing for me was that I was uh, in love with the game of basketball. So that took care of all my days and my nights. And when I made the team at West Catholic High School in Philly, uh, I was then recruited to go to a place called Philadelphia Textile, which is now Thomas Jefferson University by a man named Bucky Harris. And he recruited me and I played four years and the rest is history. I became his assistant for four years and then uh, the head coach for the past 54.
1: Nice, nice. Now, it was I was. What was it like back then? Because I also read somewhere that I don't believe your uncle Edwin had a car. So were times a little bit difficult then. And I know so also there was a story about um, playing the prisoners, uh, playing against the prisoners at, at the prison. If you want yeah. to touch on some of those some of those events,
0: my uncle, um, you know, back then not everybody had a car like it is today. A family might have three or four cars in their family. Um, We had a car because of him for the family, but he didn't have one. So he took the uh, public transportation anytime he came to the house to see us uh, during the week and on the weekends. And we never really thought anything of it. But while he was chaplain there, he said to me a few times, Herb, get your boys together and come on down to the prison and you can play the inmates. And at first I was like, I thought he was joking. (laughs) So I said, all right, well, we'll do it. So we went. And we played, and it was exciting. I mean, it was fun. You know, those guys just played. Uh, The one thing, he said to me, do you want your guys, you and your guys to eat lunch? So I took a look inside at the cafeteria at what they were serving, and I said, we will pass on that. Back (laughs) then, you know, Gino's, which is the current, what back then was the McDonald's of the day, and we all just went over there and had a hamburger. You know, so uh, it was exciting. It was fun competitive and you know something you know you could have stories about that's for sure
1: so no brawls or anything ever broke out no nothing like
0: that
2: (laughs) i don't know if i would ever take that take on that challenge i don't yeah that's that's uh well i know you wouldn't (laughs) i mean you know the the
0: prison has since for years been closed but they still open it for tours okay so uh my uncle when he was there he befriended an inmate among other inmates, but this guy was a painter and he painted murals in my office, in my uncle's office, uh, religious murals. And there was a big fundraiser by Eastern state to restore the murals. So we went to all these different functions, uh, cocktail parties, tours, and things like that. It's, it's quite a place because if you've never been to a prison, I hope you haven't, but, uh, they're, those, those places are interesting. They really are.
1: Yeah. I think I'll, I think I'll skip out on, on, uh,
0: yeah, no, I don't blame it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I plead the fifth. I, I uh,
0: <laughs>
2: you know what? I, you know what? I'll, I'll say it. I, I had the, the opportunity in college. I, uh, over-consumed at a, at a Tom Petty concert and I had the opportunity to spend the night in the drunk tank in downtown Cincinnati. So I'm throwing it out there and I'll tell you what, to herb's point <laughs> i never want to go back no, no. never that was ever one, that's ever right.
0: that's the one that's the one thing we all learned yeah we'll go play yet but we're not coming back we're
2: yeah, not going exactly. yeah we yeah. don't uh, it's not a place of residence that was the worst 12 hours of my life I don't blame <laughs> and, and the food to your point was awful i didn't even eat and uh yeah i'll just say i was uh young and dumb I, young and dumb <laughs> young and dumb <laughs> we'll leave it there yeah yeah i decided to uh this is a great story. Not to get off, but I tried to bong. You know those beer bong things, Herb. I don't know if you ever seen one of those things, but I threw in a whole. Uh, I was challenged to throw in a whole handle of like Jack Daniels, and I I, I took it all down at once. And uh, let's just say it didn't end well. I ended up in the drunk tank that night. <laughs> we, so
0: let's say you deserved it too, right? Exactly.
2: <laughs> no, I paid hey, him coach right here. Get him, get him I a hundred percent deserved whatever I got, which was. <laughs> 12 hours in the drunk tank because yeah. I, had, I had no idea that was a young, but you know what you make mistakes I do, you know, and I think that's something I'm sure you've coached guys, you know, develop guys sure. and sure. those mistakes have, have made me into, I think who I am today. Uh, and I, I learned a hard lesson. I'll tell you that, that, that was a hard one to learn. And and I'm glad I actually did experience that just like Herb, you had to experience to go play there once you're there, you don't want to go back. Yeah, <laughs> no.
0: yeah. That, so, uh, that might've might been my uncle's idea, you know, like sure, get your friends down here and they can see what it's like in here and they don't want to come back here Ever. for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I tell that the high school, we do a lot of, uh, we've done work when, in steel foundries and into very, very adverse conditions from a working you know experience. And I've told high school kids, I said, Hey, you want to know what real hard work and something maybe you don't want to do or I clean toilets at a bar in college to make extra money and like you don't want to do that you don't want to do this no go and apply yourself take care of yourself so you don't have to do things that are not ideal so anyway (laughs) how did you you know progressing forward from obviously um, you know developing through those experiences and then you obviously were able to find the love of basketball as you mentioned which then as Calvin talked to took you to at that time Philadelphia college of textiles. And I loved your, your Naismith, uh, induction ceremony when you're talking about that, um, the college of textiles and, and tell us a little bit about going there. And then obviously the success you had there.
0: Well, uh, back then when I was in high school, everybody in the city, especially the guys that played in the, our league, the Catholic league, everybody wanted to go to college at St. Joe's because coach Jack Ramsey, a hall of famer, yep was the coach at St. Joe's. And he was not only uh, considered the best coach in the city, maybe one of the best coaches in the country, but also a quality human being, a wonderful man. And I wanted to play for him. And he came to a game to watch us play because his assistant coach said, you gotta go see this guy, Lynham and Jimmy Boyle play. Jimmy Lynham and Jimmy Boyle. So he came down and our coach, Jack Jack, uh, Devine, was he said, Herb, I want you to stay here because Coach Ramsey wants to talk to you. And when I walked into the room, Coach Ramsey said to Jack Devine, our coach, he said, No. And he actually brought Jimmy Lynham in, and Jack Ramsey said to him, No, you got the wrong guy. He <laughs> thought I would line because I had a great game that day. Uh, but he knew that he wanted Jimmy Lynham. And of course, uh, Jimmy went there, had a great career, was all big five, MVP of the league, uh, coaching the NBA for 25 years and remains one of my best friends, but we always tell the same story. And I told Jack at uh, the Hall of Fame, when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, what you do is they tell you to get a member of the Hall of Fame to be your presenter. And it has to be a member of the Hall of Fame. So the first thing I thought of was Jack Ramsey. And I called Coach Ramsey and he said, of course, I'll do it in a second. So I said to him that night, I said, Jack, you got to tell this story about you thought Jimmy Lynham was me and he, I made him tell the story and I said to him later, I said, coach, you know, if I had gone to St. Joe's, I said, I might end up coaching St. Joe's. And he said, you're right, Herb, but not for 45 years. (laughs) (laughs) You probably made the right decision. So back then that was it for me. I knew I wanted to stay in the city and I had some scholarship offers from some schools outside the city. And my uncle the, the Catholic priest, Bucky Harris, the coach was smart guy. And he recruited my uncle and my uncle grabbed me one night at Sunday dinner. And he said, Herb, you're going to go play for this. Mr. Harris at Philadelphia up textile. So that was a done deal. We did exactly what we were told. And I ended up there. And 60 uh, some years later, I'm still there.
1: There's, there's one thing that I know you, in a, any parents that are listening to this, and this is perfect proof. Like, you don't always have to go to the biggest school to be under the lights and be on television and whatnot. It, it's a matter of going somewhere where you're going to go that you love and you're going to get the experience that you that you want. And in today's day, you know, if, to, a way to help your parents out, wherever you're ho- hopefully going to get the most money and get that experience is what's most important. And it's going to be about developing those friendships and those memories. And you went on to... Score I think two thousand two hundred and thirty five points, um, which is which at one point was all time leading score for about thirty years, and now I think it's third all time. Um, and at one point you averaged twenty nine point one points a game, and buckets, buckets, just, like just you drain. see that nowadays that's a lot. That's still a lot of points. Yeah. Kevin Durant, the LeBron Jameses are averaging that, and you were averaging that. In what 1961, 62 ish, around that time?
0: Yes. And I tell my players all the time that was without the three point line.
1: So that
0: 29 would have been close to 40.
2: Yeah, no doubt. uh, Bucket. I've been
0: known to take a lot of shots when I played. Yeah,
2: the shot doctor. uh, The shot doctor was drilling it. And where did you learn? Because those that don't know, and and we don't, our whole platform is obviously not necessarily basketball driven, but. How did you learn, you know, you're known as one of the best shooters ever, uh, the shot doctor. You've taught those of Charles Barkley, to Jam- Jameer Nelson, amongst many. Um, where did you learn to shoot?
0: In the, the gym at St. Francis de Sales, where I went to grammar school, sure, elementary school. And I had a way to sneak into the gym during the winter. And in West Philly, there are playgrounds all around. Sherwood, King Sessing, Tustin, and you could always find an open basket. And I would go to these playgrounds or go into the gym and just work on my shot. And I actually taught myself how to shoot by watching. A big thing for me back then was going to the Philadelphia Warriors games. And on the Warriors at that time was Tom Gola, one of the greatest basketball players I've ever seen. Paul Arizon, Hall of Famer. uh, Neil Johnston, Hall of Famer, et cetera, et cetera. And I would watch these guys and then the guys coming in like Bob Cruzy, Bill Sharman, Sam Jones, Casey Jones. And I noticed the great shooters all use the same technique. I could see the ball as it come out of their hands and I would go to the gym and experiment with it and just spend hour after hour shooting. And what I would do uh, with a buddy of mine, I would record the number of shots I took in a day and I record how many I made, but more important than that. I would record where the shots missed if they missed. You can only miss long, short, right, or left. And I would, I would make, make sure that I knew that night I would go home and look at them, come back the next day and work on making the shot not be short or making the shot not hit the right side of the rim and so on. And then become automatic. And that's how I became a great shooter because I just worked on it so much. And what happens to you then, you develop confidence. And as soon as you get that confidence,
2: then you got it made. Yeah. And you think about that. We always talk about transferable skill yep. skills into any part of life, especially business. And these are great knowledge nuggets. One, hard work works, as we talked about. Two, there was some tracking and analytics. Mm-hmm. So short, right, or left. And or long. Or long. <laughs> yeah, I, I was usually short, unfortunately. <laughs> I was usually long. Uh, okay? everybody is. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I was always a short guy. And it drove my dad crazy. But the... Um, you know, he analyzed that and then he made adjustments. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important um, that, you know, as a, as a young player and as a young man, you were able to find that. And obviously that was able to build that recipe moving forward. And then also looking, and I talk a lot about this too, those that are currently sustaining excellence, what do you watch? And he was, well, obviously you were watching great players and how they did it. And sometimes obviously you can emulate that success, but find your own recipe. So anyway, I think that's a great, you know, opportunity, and then, how does that kind of coach your playing career transition to your your coaching career? And obviously, well, you were—he
1: turned down the NFL. I mean, NFL,
2: NBA. NBA. Yeah, don't want to miss that. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Let's sit on that first. So you turned down the Boston Celtics. Is that correct? You said, "Hey, I'm well, just going to coaching." Or?
0: That's that's the uh, that's the uh, popular way of thinking. What happened okay. was I was drafted uh, with the uh, in the seventh round because back then there was like eight teams. So that would come out to like the bottom, right? And today that would come out to the bottom of the second round. Okay. I was like the uh, 65th guy, 62nd guy picked. So when the Celtics got a hold of my coach and, and said that they were inviting me to training camp, I had broken two fingers on my right hand playing ball during the summer. And there's no way I'm going to go up there. You know, my, the reason they drafted me is because they saw I could shoot the ball. So I wasn't going to go up there without my right hand. So I was offered at the same time a job working at my school uh, as an assistant coach, a full time job, teaching in the phys ed department and coaching a number of other sports. I've coached every single sport you can imagine. And uh, so I decided to skip it. Um, One of the things that I always tell is, well, I broke my two fingers on my hand, but I sometimes hold back on the fact that at the time, the guards for the Boston Celtics were Bob Cousy. Bill Sharman, both Hall of Famers, right. Sam Jones, Casey Jones, both Hall of Famers, and the great John Havlicek, a Hall of Famer. So to make that team would it be pretty tough to do? Uh, but my excuse always is the broken <laughs> fingers on my right hand. Everybody has to have a good excuse, and that's mine.
2: So good, good strategic decision, potentially, <laughs> yes, and then exactly obviously that. has led into this illustrious coaching career. So what, what, you know, talking about, you know, now transitioning from the Celtics and transitioning out of college, and then obviously having the success you've had, um, and we'll talk about, you know, those statistics, but what, what got you into coaching and, and getting into a successful career? What were you able to translate from childhood, as we talked about, then your playing days? And now how do you become a really good coach, early, uh, a coach at an early
0: age? Well, first of all, you have to have good players. So uh, one thing I think I can do, a matter of fact, I know I can, is recruit. Um, I can spot guys that can play on our level. We're not going after the guys that Villanova, you know, Temple, St. Joe's are going to offer scholarships to. We're trying to get guys not only from our area but from the East Coast to get guys who can play on at this at this school and on this level. So I've been able to do that over the years. I've always considered myself. A uh, good a good guy on character, judging character. So the guys that I've hired as my assistant coaches, I put a lot of faith in them. And they've done a terrific job. And they've all been great great guys going on to very successful careers themselves. Uh, so that's part of it. And then the other part is you have to be in love with the game. You have to look at, uh, you have to have the ability to change to ability to add things to what your repertoire is as far as your offenses and defenses, I'm a big guy on watching tape. Uh, I watch Tom Izzo's team play, uh, Jay Wright's teams play, and nowadays you can go on the uh, computer and pick up any game you want after it's being played. And also these guys put out these uh, these tapes themselves that they they use to market, and you know it's been a big help for me over the years. That plus the fact that I consider myself a good communicator. And I think the players on the team recognize the fact that I was a good player and they, they can recognize the fact that this guy must know what he's talking about. And then one thing leads to another and success begets success. And then all of a sudden that's never been a problem for us in getting the confidence of the players. So I think that's been a big part of it.
1: And I'll say this too, you're, um, in talking to your daughter Kay, one thing she mentioned was, you know, obviously Division Two, um, you guys play less games than Division One, and she said you've never had a full time assistant. You had one of the lowest budgets in Division Two, um, you know. I think working with only nine scholarships, and I say those things because to feed off of what you just said, like never finding an excuse to, to not be able to find that success. You know, a lot of times people are again, jumping to the biggest and next best opportunity, but you said, you know what, utilizing the resources I have, being confident and being able to go out and do what you know you do well, which is recruit and find guys who love the game. And I think that speaks volumes, but can you talk about how you've been able to utilize some of the most minimal resources, but still find a way to become the second all-time leading um, coach in, in, in basketball history and wins?
0: What has helped us uh, over the years has been uh, the university that I represent. Uh, When we were Philadelphia textile and then Philadelphia University, and now Thomas Jefferson, our seniors that graduate, not just athletes, but our seniors that graduate get placed in jobs or graduate school to the tune of like 97% of the seniors, which is quite a record for any school. So we have that selling point for us. We have a beautiful campus in the Roxborough, Manionk, East Falls section of the city. And that's really helped us. And then, as you mentioned, no, no full-time assistants, but I've had guys that wanted to come and work with us to try and maybe advance their own career. For example, two of the five guys that coach in the and excuse me, in the big five, uh, Stevie Donahue at, at Penn, and Billy Lang and St. Joe's both started their careers with me. So we've been able to get those guys headed in the right direction too. So uh, I've been very fortunate with my assistant coaches, the guys that I've chosen, the small budget I've asked to have it increased almost every year. I've asked for more scholarships almost every year. And I get the same answer all the time. Herb, you're doing fine. <laughs> <without."> <laughs> so maybe if we had a couple bad years, maybe they might come through, but. I can't really complain about it. We've got something to sell. It's a great institution. Tremendous graduation rate graduation rate and tremendous job placement. And I think that's a big thing.
1: They obviously love what you're doing after 54 years. Yeah, just think about that. 54 <laughs> right, years. Exactly.
2: I mean, I can't wrap my head around it. A lot of people don't live to be 54 years. <laughs> yeah, And he's I, been at a school for 54 years. Like this, this is probably never going to happen again. Yeah, I can't. How remember. long has coach K been at Duke? I can't remember. Do you know?
0: In the 40s, I think.
2: Okay. And you guys hit a 1,000 wins within the same week. Is that
1: correct? Yeah. And he had you on his, ra- on his show. What's your relationship with uh, Coach K? Who Just at
0: one me. time, I, uh, I was on his radio show. And since then, we don't communicate. But if I see him at the coach's convention, it'll be a quick hello. How's your team? Et cetera, et cetera. And so on. Just uh, mutual respect. His time is, uh, you can imagine how many people want a piece of him Yeah. when yeah. He's, uh, he's out. Yeah.
2: He's a long shot for the UDP, but that, hey. you
0: know, And it makes you realize because of what I've been through, just how remarkable his, his record is. Uh, we won one national championship. He's won five. Wow. Uh, he, you know, he's won more games than I have in fewer years. Of course they might play more games, but still his winning percentage is better than mine. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for him as a basketball coach. I think he's, one of the top four or five coaches
1: that ever lived. Well, speaking of that, you in uh, 2011, um, you were inducted into the Naismith um, Basketball Hall of Fame. And that is an honor, probably not something you ever dreamt when you first uh, decided to take on this coaching role. But um, can you talk to us about that experience? You know, what was actually when you – where were you when you got the call that that you were gonna get uh, inducted, and 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 kind of what were the emotions when it, when when you when you found out?
0: My uh, my biggest fans are in my family, and my daughter Kay, she she teaches at our university. She and I have run camps together over the years. We've done a lot of things together, and she put she found out the one day she said, Dad, they're they're announcing who the the uh, finalists are for the Hall of Fame. And I said, that's nice. You know, I didn't. So she's sitting in the office with me. She's got her computer in front of her and she starts jumping up and down. I said, what happened? She said, you were nominated and now you're you're one of the finalists. So I thought that was tremendous. And then when I got the call from uh, John DeLiva, who's the president, you know, I'm upstairs and upstairs in the house. I just got out of the shower because I had gone for a run. And he's saying and I kept saying to him, John are you telling me I'm in the hall of fame or you're congratulating me for being nominated? He said, no, we'll see you in a month or so up at the hall of fame. So I actually couldn't believe it because that's something, as you mentioned, that's something you not think of when you're growing up playing basketball, that that's not one of your things where you say, well, I'm going to be in the hall of fame. So, and when I went there, the, uh, have you ever been there?
2: Have not. So we actually have an office in Springfield. And I've been the Springfield, but I haven't ventured across. I stayed at a hotel right across would, the street. Yeah, and I yeah. got to get over there. You have to. Yeah, it you looks nice. To. They
0: keep they keep making it uh, uh, bigger, more modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an unbelievable place. Well, I went there uh, back uh, fifteen twenty years ago. The NCAA Division II was there, uh, and we went up there. And part of the thing was a tour of the Hall of Fame. And when I went off through the Hall of Fame, and I, yeah, mentioned, I mentioned to my assistant coach at the time, I said, look at this. I would love this one day, but I don't know if this is possible. And then actually 15, 20 years later, I was up there with my wife and family, and we were inducted. So they do such a tremendous job. It's a three-day thing, uh, a luncheon, a dinner, a show. Then you go to the Mohegan Sun to receive your rings. Everything they do is first class. And it it was quite an experience. I said to my wife a few years later, I said, I wish I wasn't in the Hall of Fame. And she said, what are you talking about, her? But I said, maybe I could get inducted again. (laughs) It was one of those experiences that, you know, I would love to do over. That's how great it was.
2: Well, I've lost a few dollars at the Mohegan Sun, that's for sure, (laughs) in Springfield, Massachusetts. But I have not been to the Basketball Hall of Fame. But I tell you what, when I go there, I'm going to take a nice little selfie Next with coach. her, with coach coach here with coach Herb. So we're, we are they going, done,
0: we're going to make have it happen. Done and un- but we played up there this year in a tournament at American international, which is in Springfield. And I called up, uh, one of the women that I know that works there Jan Frederick. And I said, could we, uh, could we use the hall of fame to practice? They have a court there. And she said, yeah, of course. So we practice in the hall of fame. And then we went all through it afterwards with the team it was a great experience for them they really loved it
2: wow that's wow awesome. that's awesome and congratulations again that is you know you, you like you said when i watch your speech and you see and you called him out you know bill walton and you see all the greats that are in there and obviously having dr jack you know introduce you i mean it was it was awesome it was fun to watch and congratulations i mean that is a a legacy amongst many different legacies you know you're creating and and, and will eventually one day leave behind is is a great honor and uh, you should be extremely proud of that yeah no. so, <clears throat> but it still looks like you can still shoot you know let's not talk about let's, uh let's go let's go to rapid let's fire it's a rapid fire so we got some some good questions uh for you here so why don't you kick it off so again your 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 lovely daughter Kay uh gave me
1: some some great i think uh little rapid fire questions or things that we could hit on so First one is, she said, and, and I'm going to ask you, can you still, so for our listeners, coach is 79 years old, looks wonderful. He's still getting up and down the court with the players um, and out there, you know, obviously making his guys better. So the question is, can you still make 100 free throws in a row?
0: I would say yes. I haven't tried it in a couple of years, but it would. I'll tell you what's happening to me now. I still speak at camps not this past summer because of what's going on. Uh, and I will go in and part of my act, if you want to call it, would be to start off shooting and then the kids start wandering in and then some kid will say to another kid, how many has he made in a row? And the kid will go like 80, you know, whatever. So then I'll try to get to a hundred and, you know, and then stop. And they said, no, you can't stop. But with no one guarding me 15 feet from the basket, then I think I should be able to make just about every one. So, to answer that question, I think I could. So, I, oh, that's
1: what? You, and that's, I guess my follow up question, real quick, is: What are your thoughts on Steph Curry? Because I heard he's, you know, him and Clay. I, I, I saw where Steph made a hundred three pointers in, in a row, and obviously, you being the shot doctor, and I'm sure you've studied Steph Curry shoot the ball. What, what are your, what, what are your thoughts on Steph Curry?
0: Well, as you know, with your basketball guys, his father, Del Curry. Uh, who was a great basketball player in the NBA for years. Uh, He taught him, and you could see it. Uh, Steph Curry has what I would describe as just about a perfect shot. His ball rotates the same every single time. It comes out of his hands the same way every single time. It's always on target, and that's the reason he's such a great shooter. And of course, he has Unbelievable confidence to shoot the ball from some places that he shoots. <laughs> right, he can take a half court shot, make it look like a fifteen footer. So, <laughs> love it. Uh, I would say the best shooter that I've ever seen is Steph Curry. Oh, I wouldn't. And then I would throw Kevin Durant in there, as you know, in the top two or three. Also,
2: <sighs> yeah, nice. Right. It's it's that's cool. That's I, I love to hear that. Um, let's see here. I, I had one. I'll, I'll let you come back. I have one that's not on the list. We'll, we'll change it up from basketball to non-basketball. But being visiting Philly, you know, I've visit visited Philly a few times. Geno's or Pat's?
0: Everybody asks me that who's never been to Philly.
2: Right. I have no clue what you guys are talking about. That's a steakhouse. And I tell, um, right, <laughs>
0: I tell them right up the street from our school is Dallas Sandro's and Chubby's. And there I would go. match those two up with Geno's and Pat's any day.
2: Okay. Right across the
0: street it. from each other, Dallas Sandros and Chubbies.
2: Yeah. I, I uh every every time I visit Philly and people tell me that and I've they've told me the same thing. They go to other Pats on is there a place called Pat's or something like that on South? Yes, there is. Yeah, I've been told Pats. So anyway, I'm learning my Philly cheesesteak lingo. And then obviously the whiz whiz wit or whiz without is yeah. what they say. <laughs> So that is means cheese whiz on or off. So what are you, uh, are you a no, cheese I'll tell you whiz you guy? What
0: I am. I'm more of a chicken, uh, cheese steak. Okay. Yeah. All right. I respect that. Chubbies. What I do after we practice on a Saturday and Sunday, I, my assistant coaches are always hanging around me, because they know, I'm going to take them up there <laughs> and buy their lunch for them. <laughs> so, uh, we usually go to chubby's yep. and, uh, the guy does a good job and we they usually have a booth for us. And it's a, it's a good play. And the sandwiches are fabulous. Just fabulous. Yeah. That's
2: awesome. awesome.
1: Good stuff. Um, all right. Number two, how many technical fouls do you have in 54 years? I think two. Whoa. So you just don't lose your cool? Are they just,
0: how? no, I, I think <laughs> I I've never been, I have, if you ask guys that have refed our games, I have received awards for sportsmanship over the years. Uh, I think if I'm going to get on the reps and carry on and be complained to the reps and every, I think it takes away and it gives our players a chance to go like, yeah, it's the rep. It's not me. So they, I don't want them to blame the reps and I've never blamed the reps. The only thing I ever tell guys, referees, if I get around a bunch of them, I said, fellas, the only thing I care about is don't cheat. Right. Don't cheat. And they look at me like, "What that looked like? Well, what do you mean? We never cheat." I said, "Well, I have been cheated in the past over the years at some of these little places that I've been to. So I don't really care if you screw up; just don't cheat. That's all."
2: Yeah, that's great. Um, let's see here. Can can say and spell every word backwards? Is that is that true?
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, it is true.
2: Give us. Can we get a couple
1: examples?
0: Well, I can see it was right here, uh, Calvin would be Nivlak Nam-Calb. And I, if I didn't see it up there, I could spell it backwards. What I do with it, I have fun with it. And what I do with it, if I see a word or someone says a word, I see it. If I can spell it correctly, I can just turn it and spell it backwards. And then what's even weir- weirder than that is pronounce it backwards. You know what I mean?
2: So you see so, our producer on the screen, Patrick Riley. How do you how do you say that?
0: Kissertap Yeller. <laughs> K-C-I-R-T-A-P-Y-E-L-I-R.
2: Man. I was called Nivlak a as a kid by some of my friends who say my name backwards. So, and I haven't heard Nivlak in yeah. 30 years. So that was kind of funny to hear. How would you say so? I'm Kyle Decker. How would you say my name?
0: Kyle Decker? Yep. Kyle would be Elliot L-E-L-Y-K. Decker would be Rexit, R E K C E D.
2: Wow. Man, this is this is something yeah, else. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're you're the You know
0: what? It's good as I get older, because every place I read, they talk about, you know, the possibility of uh onset dementia and things like they tell you do crossword puzzles. Well, I don't do that. I spell words better. <laughs> yeah. I figure if I can still do that, I'm still alert enough to coach.
1: You're you're a walking you are a walking crossword puzzle. Yeah, (laughs)
2: yeah, yeah. You need to get with Mister Blackman. He's putting he's in charge of the scoreboard, and he you know he was a little fuzzy after his birthday. I think he had too much tequila. (laughs) So I'm back. That was a few days ago.
1: (laughs) Um, Summer Wind by Frank Sinatra. I hear this is a, a a favorite of yours.
0: There is a wedding that we we are asked to go to. And if that song comes on, I immediately grab the microphone. Let's go. And sing the summer one. Well, I can't do it without Frank Sinatra helping
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Fair and enough. I know Touché. all the words,
0: but I can't do it without Frank help. We did it one time when we had Ram Madness that one year, one of the vice presidents at knew, knew about it and he put it on. So while I was finishing up talking to the student body about what I expected that year, that song came on, and I sang it that night. So. Wow. I always say the same thing when I do. I said this is not nearly as good as I think it is. And then off I go.
2: I love it. I love it. Effort. A for effort. A it's for all that Yeah. And I'll say, the, you want to, the last no, one? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Bring it home.
1: And I'll just say the last one because, again, your daughter, Kay, was such a tremendous help. Um, she did say that you have, you are always, not always, but you sometimes will annoy her with your Seinfeld references. Uh, yes. What's Drive one of, crazy. <laughs> what's one of your favorite Seinfeld references? maybe leave us well
0: it depends if if the Seinfeld is a great show obviously because it's listed as one of the funniest shows of all time uh but it makes references to all kinds of things if you any any time during the day something will come up that it might be hey this is a Seinfeld reference you know and you can see how Jerry or uh George or Kramer approached it but I think all of the shows I watch them every night Every single night, I have at least one Seinfeld episode on, and uh, you know, I I have them. If they had a Seinfeld quiz, I would win for sure, because I've seen every single one. So, if you ask me, one of my favorite ones, the Chinese restaurant was one of my favorite. Ones. <laughs> when they're waiting for a table at a Chinese restaurant, which is so stupid that you know, how can you make a whole show out of that? But they did that. <laughs> so when they talked about a show about nothing, that was Seinfeld.
2: Yeah. That's
1: awesome. That's well, awesome. Well, I, um, you know, I, I do want to say thank you, uh, again for your time and I'll, I'll pass it over to Kyle here in a second. But I, one last question is coach age 79, you've been doing this for 54 years. What I can only hope to be, you know, still, you know, having the energy and, and up and moving around and doing the things that you're doing at your age, what would you say is one key that you've been able to, um, sustain, you know, this level of excellence and success um, over the 79 years in health?
0: Yeah. Every year when we start a season, first of all, I think I've told you about assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. I have a tremendous assistant coach. Uh, when I retire, he will be the head coach. I've already made sure that that happened. name is Jimmy Riley. Uh, no relation to Patrick, but he, uh, uh, he will take over and he's helped me immensely. I gave him a lot of leeway in his first few years and now it's come back to really help. So he's, he's been a tremendous help, but each year becomes a different, a different challenge. Last year I had a great team. We were 27 and four waiting to play in the NCAA tournament. It got taken away from us. I don't know what's going to happen this year, but the whole idea behind coaching for me is my, my contact and relationship with young guys. But to get to the NCAA tournament, that's the goal every single year. And then you make a name for yourself by what you do in the NCAA tournament. So uh, that's mainly what drives me is making the tournament and being successful in the tournament. Nice.
2: Yeah. And and thank you so much. I mean, I, I'll i be honest, this was a great <laughs> conversation and, and great knowledge nuggets and like I said, I can just feel your engagement and in the words that you left today with us and, and what our listeners will hear coach. You're, uh, obviously, uh, you know, sustaining excellence for a reason. And we appreciate you spending time with us today and, uh, we wish you nothing but the best. How can, you know, anyone that's listening either follow or engage with you or your program?
0: Well, they can go on at the, uh, the website, you know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, if they wanted to contact me, they, there is a, a, a way to contact me through email and, uh, then we would get back to them.
2: Awesome. Sure. Sure. Her I believe it is. Yeah. And,
0: it's, uh, it's Herbert, Herbert McGee at Jefferson.edu.
2: Love it. Awesome.
1: awesome. Herbert love McGee it. At
0: Jefferson.edu. <laughs> yeah. And we, the best way to do it is to contact Kay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because, uh, you know, she sets up almost everything that I do.
1: Yeah. Daughter. This
0: wouldn't have happened without her, to be honest with you.
1: For yeah sure. i, I 100 daughter yeah. director of ops i shot her an email after i saw yeah. an article about you no, and that's,
0: that's what she does she she's on. extremely talented each year they do the teacher's ratings the professor's ratings and she comes in first every year she's a math professor yeah and she does a tremendous job teaching she tutors our players she does everything so awesome. i'm really proud of her
2: yeah well that's awesome. fantastic and uh nothing but the best on this coming season i know there's, there's some challenges as we talked about we all know but i know you'll amongst anybody uh overcome those and have your team ready to play when they can and we'll be watching and we'll be rooting so thank you coach for your time today
0: i appreciate it. next time i see you spell my name backwards and we'll be
2: fine. <laughs> <laughs> thanks fellas <laughs> all yeah, right coach, thanks thank coach you. appreciate all it right, thank you we'll see you we'll see it Thanks for listening to the underdog podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google podcast apps and send our Twitter handle, a screenshot of your rating at underdog pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on
0: the U D P.